to do his duty as your guide and redeemer is good. Let him redeem you. But if he is not willing, as surely as the Lord lives, I will do it. Lie here until morning. So she lay at his feet until morning, but got up before anyone could be recognized. And he said, no one must know that a woman came to the threshing floor. He also said, bring me the shawl you are wearing and hold it out. When she did so, he poured into it six measures of barley and placed the bundle on her. Then he went back to town. When Ruth came to her mother-in-law, Naomi asked, How did it go, my daughter? Then she told her everything Boaz had done for her. She added, He gave me these six measures of barley, saying, Don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. Then Naomi said, Wait, my daughter, until you find out what happened. For the man will not rest until the matter is settled today. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the privilege of being able to gather as a church. We thank you that we can come together and hear from your word. Father, we pray that as we hear this morning, we pray that your spirit would be powerfully at work. Father, we pray, Lord, that you would give us ears to hear. Please be with each of us and be with me, your servant, as I preach the word which I have prepared. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, in the movie, Groundhog Day, Bill Connor finds himself reliving the same day again and again and again. And at one point in the movie, he finds himself at a low point, hearing as he wakes up the song, I Got You Babe, by Sonny and Cher, and perhaps for the hundredth time, the DJs banter, okay campers, rise and shine, don't forget your booties because it's cold out there. Uh, but Cher, uh, Phil is not a happy camper. Uh, during his lowest point in the movie, uh, Phil doesn't want to relive another day. And he wants to be free, free from living the same day again and again and again. And he looks for a way to end his misery. In our passage today, Ruth and Naomi have been living almost a Groundhog Day scenario. Uh, Phil Connors wants to escape the monotony of living the same day again and again. He wants escape. And Naomi also wants to leave their situation. But her escape is not just from the monotony of life, but she wants escape. Escape for her and Ruth from the shame and hopelessness that comes with being two destitute widows. Uh, we can say that, yes, they have been very fortunate these last few months since they have arrived in Bethlehem. Ruth, for the last couple months, has been going out into Boaz's field to glean every day, or glean, and then she has come back with, we are assuming, plenty of food. Uh, these last few months have been good for her, as far as good can go for two widows. Uh, they have had food, and as we said last week, perhaps enough food to see them through another year. Uh, but it's not exactly a happy existence, is it? Uh, we can't measure a person's happiness based on the food they have on their table. Uh, I'm a fan of survival shows, and I've enjoyed the series Jules Survival. 
in one of the episodes, Davy Cody had managed to acquire a wild turkey and a trout. Uh, it's a lot of food for two people. But Cody says in, the, in a survival situation, people should stay on food. And if you have plenty of food, people think you're going to be okay. Uh, the thing is, uh, you're still trapped. You're still trapped in a survival situation, and you need to get out. Uh, the same is with Ruth and Naomi. Uh, yes, they have plenty of food, but they, they're still trapped. Whether they have enough food or not, they, they are widows, and they have no future. Every day, every year, they will have to fight for their survival. Their lives in this current state will be filled with hardships and a cycle of relying on others and their kindness. And Naomi wants to break the cycle that they are on. No longer living a life of being in want. No longer living a life of bitterness, but wanting a life that will be pleasant, where there will be peace, where there will be she hopes for a better tomorrow. And not just for herself, but also for her daughter, Ruth. And Naomi sees a way to break the cycle. She sees that hope can be found in a guardian redeemer. Rest can be found in a redeemer. In our passage today, we're going to be covering the following three points. Point number one, a mother's plan. Point two, a daughter's proposal. And point number three, a redeemer's pledge. The plan, the proposal, and the pledge. Let's start with that first point, a mother's plan. Verse one. Verse one, Naomi says to her daughter, my daughter, I must find a home for you where you will be well provided for. Now the time of harvesting has come to an end. Naomi has perceived that they have had a very good run, but they can't keep going. Not like this. She says to Ruth, I need to find you a home. This could be translated as, I need to seek a place for you where you can rest. Naomi is saying, I need to find a place for you where you can escape the shame and hardships of widowhood. I don't want you to have a bitter existence, but a future, a pleasant home. I want to find you a place where you Naomi wants for Ruth, what Naomi wants for Ruth is not just a dream, but it could become very much a reality. Look what she says to Ruth. Now Boaz, with whose women you have worked, is a relative of ours. Uh, why is this significant, I say? That Boaz is a relative of theirs. It's because Boaz is not just a relative, but it is mentioned in chapter 2, verse 20, he is one of their guardian redeemers. And a guardian redeemer is a close relative responsible for getting family members out of difficult situations. The guardian redeemer are those family members who will bail you out of a jam. For example, if you found yourself in prison and you needed someone to bail you out, uh, you wouldn't be calling your best friend that you had when you were 14 years old, would you? No, you would be most likely calling a close family member or a really good friend, thinking to yourself, I'm in a jam. They will help me out. They will bail me out. 
of what has happened to us. That's what a godly demon does. When you've hit rock bottom, when you are in that sinking ship, they would be the one to bail you out. They would be the one that you would call upon for help. So Naomi says, this is what Boaz is for us. We have hit rock bottom. We are trapped in a cycle of destitution. And the only way we can escape is if someone helps us out. The only way, the only one who can help us out and would be willing to help us out is one of our guardian redeemers. But we need Boaz. We need Boaz to bail us out of this storm. And so Naomi, Ruth's mother-in-law, comes up with a plan and she says, Tonight, who will be winnowing barley on the threshing floor? Wash, put on perfume, and get dressed in your best clothes. Look at Naomi's sister Ruth. She's saying, remove the worn clothes of a widow and put on your best clothes. Wash, remove the dirt you collected from working in the fields and put on some perfume. Uh, Here are some nice practical tips for the single and those who are ready to mingle. If you want to say to someone that you're interested in them, uh, you don't get their attention by putting on your favorite hoodie, those track pants, and those outfits you've had for a few years. I'll, I'll admit to you, I like rocking that look. I like the hoodie, I like the track pants, but I wasn't wearing these clothes when I was dating Laura. I was wearing my best jeans, I was wearing one of the best shirts I had, a long sleeve shirt or a short sleeve, and I was wearing a good jacket, a jumper. I wanted to say by the way I presented myself that I was interested in her. And that's what Naomi wants Ruth to communicate. She wanted Ruth to communicate that she was worth getting to know. Ruth needed to communicate that she was not some poor, destitute widow, but a potential future bride. Naomi continues, then go down to the threshing floor, but don't let him know you are there until he has finished eating and drinking. Naomi is saying, wait for the opportune moment to approach him. Naomi has learned that you don't ask someone something as soon as they have finished work. She is saying to Ruth, that's not a good time. Wait till he's in a more relaxed mood. After work, he will be tired, she says. Let's be honest. After work, he will be a bit clueless. He won't even notice you if you turn up in a pretty dress. So wait. Wait till he has taken off his boots, perhaps put on those track pants, has had some food, and perhaps a cold beer. She says, wait till he lies down and has fallen asleep. When he lies down, note the place where he is lying, then go and uncover his feet and lie down. She will tell you what to do. Wait a minute. What is Naomi saying here? Uncover his feet and lie down. He will tell you what to do. Uh, Some have suggested that this has sexual overtones. That Naomi is saying seduce Boaz during the night. But friends, that's not what is happening here. Uh, The author is being very careful about not giving the reader that interpretation. They use the Hebrew word margolot meaning the place of his feet. They don't use the word regal, which could mean foot or a euphemism for his private parts. 
Now, the author has been very intentional that this is not a sexual encounter, but rather a carefully crafted plan from a mother to her daughter to tactfully arrange a private encounter in a public place. I, I quite like the movie Pride and Prejudice. I, and it's during the dance scene where men and women could almost have a private conversation in a public place while the music is playing and as they get in close proximity to each other, that's when they talk. That's when they have that private conversation. And that is what Naomi is trying to arrange here. She is trying to arrange a private conversation in a public place. When Naomi says, uncover his feet, it's, it's a plan not to cause a scene. But as Boaz stooped to feel the cold earth, he was slowly awakened. And before he was able to rub any sleep from his eyes, he would notice this. They could have a private conversation in a public place. And so Naomi says, if when he awakens and notices you, he will tell you what to do. And this leads us to our second point. Point two, a daughter for Kate. Have a look with me now at verses seven to nine. It says, when Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, he went over to lie down at the far end of the grain cart. Ruth approached quietly, uncovered his feet and lay down. In the middle of the night, something startled the man. He turned and there was a woman lying on his feet. Who are you? He asked. I am your servant, Ruth, she said. Spread the corner of your garment over me since you are a guardian redeemer of our family. Uh, in these verses, Ruth carries out her mother's plan and the scene has been set. Uh, notice how the author changes the identities of both Ruth and Boaz to the woman and to the man. Uh, the author has almost created an atmosphere of a private encounter happening in a public place. And as the cold air awakens the man, he notices a woman at his feet. At his concern of wondering what is happening, the woman says, I am your servant, Ruth. Now notice what she says next. She says, spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are a guardian redeemer of our family. Uh, did you notice what Ruth just did? She just proposed to Boaz. Ruth just proposed to Boaz. Uh, John Neo, in his introduction to Ruth, says the most amazing aspect of Ruth's request is not that a woman had proposed to a man, which is really unheard of, but Ruth had boldly challenged Boaz to make good on the blessing he himself had spoken earlier in Ruth chapter 2, verse 12. Uh, let me read to us what Boaz said. In Ruth chapter 2, verse 12, Boaz said this, May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Uh, it's a nice blessing from Boaz to Ruth, isn't it? However, in this scene before us, Ruth is challenging Boaz, almost asking him if he meant it. If he meant it. Will you be the one to carry out this blessing? Will you provide me protection and refuge? 
We don't notice it here in English, but the Hebrew word snap, which can mean ring, could also mean age, as in the age of someone's skirt or the age of their overflowing garment. And for a man to cover a woman with his garment was a symbol of her coming under his care and protection. It was a, a symbol of him communicating to her that he would love her and protect her as his bride. Uh, we see the Lord illustrating this for his people. We see him illustrating this for Israel, that he promised that he would commit to her, that she would be his. Uh, let me read for us Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 8, which says this, Later I passed by, and when I looked at you and saw that you were old enough for love, I spread the corner of my garment over you and covered your nakedness. I gave you my solemn oath and entered into a covenant with you, declares the sovereign Lord, and you became mine. So what Ruth is doing here is proposing to Boaz that she is doing it in such a way where she is asking him to fulfill the blessing which he spoke about. That Ruth would know what it means to come under the care and protection of God. Ruth is saying, currently I haven't got that. I am a widow with no hope and no future. Boaz, if you meant what you said, would you fulfill your blessing and allow me to come under your care and under your protection? Will you spread the corner of your garment over me? She says, you are one of our dying redeemers. You have a responsibility to save us. And we are trapped. We have hit rock bottom. We are in a jam. Will you save both my mother and I from our destitution? Will you free us from the situation we are trapped in? Uh, we don't want to be trapped any longer. Will you rescue us? Will you give us rest? So the plan is in action. The proposal has been made. And now here comes Boaz's response. And this leads us to our third point. Point number three, a redeemer's choice. Uh, Ruth, uh, she is just surprised. And she waves with bated breath for Boaz's response. I remember when I proposed to Lauren. Uh, it was Monday, the 25th of November, 2013. Uh, we were down at communion day. It was a nice, cool night. Uh, you could see the lights of the bridge reflecting onto the water. It was a very picturesque scene. And I got down on one knee and I asked Lauren to marry me. What then occurred was perhaps the longest 10 seconds of my life. Uh, from the time I proposed to the moment she said yes, felt like an eternity. So I can understand if Ruth is waiting here with bated breath. Uh, she has just proposed to Boaz a man of integrity, a man of standing within Bethlehem. And she, a foreigner and a widow, has asked him to save her, to redeem her. As she waits, I can imagine her waiting with fear and trepidation, wondering, wondering how might Boaz respond to her proposal. Let's have a look together what Boaz says from verse 10. He says, the Lord bless you, my daughter. 
This kindness is greater than that which you showed earlier. You have not run after the younger men, whether rich or poor. Boaz says to her, this kindness is even greater than that which you had shown earlier. Uh, What is this kindness that Boaz is referring to? Well, the kindness being referred to is the kindness which Ruth had shown to Naomi when she had left family and home to be with her. And now Boaz is saying, uh, this kindness is even greater than that. He says, you are continuing to show kindness, an even greater kindness, not to me, but to your mother. Uh, you haven't chased after other men, whether rich or poor, whether younger or older. You could have chased after other men. You could have secured your own way out of widowhood, but you haven't done that. But you are seeking to restore your mother as coming to a guardian redeemer. That you are seeking a marriage that will not just benefit you, that will not just rescue you from widowhood and destitution, but your mother also. So in many ways, this is not a proposal between Ruth and Boaz, but rather a plan and a proposal to save both Naomi and Ruth out of poverty. In many ways, this plan is first and foremost to save Naomi. It is Naomi who is going to be redeemed. It's her field that's going to be bought. And Ruth is part of the deal. And Boaz is moved and touched by this. And we almost feel the warmth as he accepts this proposal. Look what he says to Ruth. He says, now my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you all you ask. All the people of my town know that you are a woman of noble character. Although it is true that I am a guardian redeemer of our family, there is another who is more closely related than I. Boaz pledges to redeem the family. However, he says there is one who first has rights to form. But he is not willing. As surely as the Lord lives, I will do it. Boaz makes a pledge, a pledge to redeem the family, a pledge to redeem them out of their poverty. Ruth then stays with Boaz till morning, and just as the sun is rising and before anyone wakes up, she gets herself ready to return home. But before she returns, Boaz says to her, don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. And he provides her with six measures of barley to give to her. Uh, Six measures of barley. Uh, We aren't told how much weight this is. And I don't think it's important. I think what's important to say, though, is Boaz was communicating to Naomi through Ruth, saying to Naomi, you won't be empty anymore. Naomi, you won't be empty anymore. Remember what we heard about in Ruth chapter 1? Naomi has said that she has returned to Bethlehem empty. She went away full. She had, hu- she had a husband. She had sons. But now she is returning with nothing. And so Boaz is communicating, your days of emptiness are about to come to an end. I can imagine at verse 16 when Ruth returns home to her mother, I, I can imagine that Naomi would have been up all night 
up all night worried, wondering how her daughter was, wondering what happened, wondering did their plan work, or if things went terribly south and she may have lost her daughter forever. As for Naomi's relief, Ruth comes home. Ruth shares the story of the events of that night. And Naomi says to her, wait here until you find out what happened. For the man will not rest until the matter is settled today. I hear a comforting word given from a mother to a daughter saying that this matter will be over soon. Boaz will not rest until this matter is settled. And when it is settled, you and I will have the rest we have longed for. You and I will be redeemed and we will escape the hopelessness that we are in. Ruth and Naomi will find out later that day their future. However, for us, we will pick up the rest of this story in a fortnight's time. But before we end, I want us to explore one more thing. I want us to explore one last thing. And that is the theme of the hope found in the Redeemer. Uh, Ruth and Naomi's rescue from destitution and hardship is not just their story, uh, but it's also our story. Today's passage has highlighted the hope that can be found in a Redeemer, in their guardian Redeemer, Boaz. But we also have a Redeemer too, and our Redeemer is Christ. Our New Testament reading reminds us that through Christ, through faith in Him, we have been redeemed. And with that redemption, we have become children of God. Let me read for us Galatians chapter 3, verse 27 and 29, where Paul says this, For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Paul says that until Christ redeemed us, we were in slavery. We were in bondage to the things of this world. We were in bondage to sin. We were trapped. We were enslaved. And by ourselves, there was no escape. In other words, we were like Ruth and Naomi, trapped in a cycle of pain, trapped in a cycle of hardships until the Redeemer rescued us. Until Christ redeemed us, we were trapped. Until Christ came and covered us under His wings, clothed us with His garments, we were poor and destitute, a slave to sin and in bondage to the things of this world. Look what Paul says in verse 3 to 7. Paul says this, So also, when we were underage, we were in slavery under the elemental spiritual forces of the world. But when the set time had come full, but when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The Spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. 
And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. A Christian. In Christ's Christian, you have been redeemed. You are no longer going to suffer the penalty of sin. No longer be under the power of sin. And in Christ, you have been given the promise of freedom from sin. Christian, in Christ, you have been made a child of God. We await, dear friends, that day when we will, this will be fully realized. When we can stand before the Father and see Him face to face. And the presence of sin will be no more. Perhaps you've come today. Perhaps you've come today and you've felt like your life has been a bit like Groundhog Day. And you're thinking, wondering, when will the relief come? When will help come in the midst of the storm? Christian, keep coming back to Christ as your source of help. Keep reminding yourself of the work He has done in redeeming you through His death and through His resurrection. Keep focusing on the hope that is stored up for you in heaven. Keep focusing on the crown of righteousness that awaits all those who have been running this race. And for those here, for those here who have not come to a place of trusting in Jesus, but would like to know more of what it means to have this hope, those who would like to know what it means to be an adopted child of God, please keep coming back. Ask someone today of the hope that they have in Christ and what it means to be an adopted child of God. Christ provides a way for those living in despair to have hope. He gives slaves their freedom. He gives light to those in darkness. In Jesus, there is hope. In Jesus, there is our Lord and Savior. We thank you for Christ. Uh, we thank you for his work that he has done on the cross, that he bore our sin, our punishment, the death that was made for us. We thank you for his resurrection, and we thank you for how he conquered death. Father, we thank you for the great gift of redemption. Lord, that through what Christ has done, uh, we, as sinful people, have been adopted and made your children, heirs alongside our Lord and Savior Jesus. Our Father, we thank you for this wonderful gift, a gift we did not deserve. But Father, we pray, Lord, that we would continue to look at this great work done for us. Lord, that when we are feeling that we are living in some sort of groundhog day, when we are feeling that there is despair, that there is misery, Father, we pray that we would look up and we would look at the source of hope that has been obtained for us the gift that has been given to us in Christ Jesus. And Father, we pray for those in our midst that haven't come to this place yet. Our Father, we pray, continue to work in their lives. And Father, we pray that they would come to this knowledge of this great hope that is found in Jesus. Father, we pray that they would come to this knowledge of Christ. And we pray all this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Thank you for coming.